You're listening to Email Law and Gospel Friday, where we will be taking a look at an email that we have received, which I have found very interesting. It's an email by Robin Shoemaker. He is an accomplished software executive, and he also holds a PhD in New Testament. So he's talking about discussions he had with an individual who attends a Christian church. He begins by telling him that he believes in God, and not just any God, not the God of Islam, not Aristotle's unmoved mover, but rather the one presented in Scripture. Now, maybe you've met a person like this, because as he's talking about the God in which he believes, well, they begin a discussion on what the Bible says about a particular subject. And immediately, his friend starts to laugh, advances quickly to the point of mocking and contradicting the points that are made. And then he kicks out his own opinion on the matter, which differs from Scripture and is devoid of any other authority. Therefore, thus saith the Lord is swapped out, for so saith I. You know, theology is the art of making distinctions. And we run into people like this who say they believe in God. They may even be attending some kind of Christian church. They're not an atheist. They're not an agnostic. But they say they believe in God. They believe in our Christian God. But when you start questioning about what they believe, they don't believe what the Bible has to say. And so the distinction I want to talk about today is a really good distinction. The difference between believing in God and believing God. I've been talking a little while now, a few weeks, about the two questions you should ask your friend who believes in God. The first question is, If you die, will you go to heaven? And you wait until you hear his answer. And it doesn't matter what he answers. He may say yes, or he may say, I hope so. Or he may say, no, I don't think I will. But whatever answer he gives, the next question is really important. You ask him, why did you answer the way you did? And I think you're going to be surprised that the vast majority of people in this country, if they're asked about heaven and they think they're going or hoping they're going, it's because, well, I do a lot of good works. I'm not as bad as my neighbor, and I don't see why God would keep me out of heaven. Or those who don't think they're going to heaven— Ask them why, and they'll tell you, well, it's my works. 
I don't think I'm good enough to get into a heaven. So what is the difference that we're talking about today? The difference that we're talking about is the difference between believing in God and believing God. Let let me give you an example. Pretend for a minute that you've never heard of a certain group of people. I come to you and say that they're incredibly devoted individuals who know their Bible backwards and forwards, had the right God in their crosshairs when it came to prayer and all religious things, and could put anyone else to shame with respect to externally practicing the law of God. Now, what would your first impression of them be? But then I continue by telling you that Jesus asked the following question to this group of people in Matthew 23, verse 33. How will you escape the sentence of hell? I think you initially would be a little surprised, even maybe taken back a bit. That's because we're conditioned to believe that if a person says he believes in God, they'll naturally incline themselves to God's truth about, well, anything. But that's not true. Believing in God and believing God are two very different things. And the group I was talking about were the unbelieving Pharisees who give us a lesson on this truth that none of us should ignore. For instance, they say they believe in God. They know the Bible backwards and forwards in the Old Testament. They pray to God. They do a lot of religious things like sacrifices put anyone else to shame with respect to practicing the law of God, and yet they don't believe God. They believe in God, namely they believe there's a God, but the God they believe in is not the God of the Bible. I'll give you an everyday example of that also. If you were listening yesterday to Law and Gospel, I was working with Wes Reimnitz, who is with me on Thursdays. With only a few minutes left to go in the program, he asked to be excused because he said he had Jehovah Witnesses knocking on his front door. And so he left the program. I I finished the program. But afterwards, he phoned me to talk about what had happened. And it was true that Jehovah Witnesses, three of them, had come to his front door, and he could tell they were Jehovah Witnesses because they had been there before. His wife was at work, so she couldn't answer the door. So he went and talked with them. 
Well, you can imagine, Wes Reimnitz is a great theologian, and it did not take long before he really had the Jehovah Witnesses confused about what they believed. And then they did something that they also did when they had knocked on my door one day. They said, oh, we have to go. Uh, we can't listen to what you are saying. And they went back down to their car and left. You see, they're a perfect example of people who believe in God, but don't believe God. That's really a good distinction. In other words, the Pharisees, Jehovah Witnesses, Muslims, many unbelieving Jews, and even many Christians, and I'm saying that in the sense of those who attend a Christian church, but many a time they're attending churches that do not proclaim law and gospel properly. So they're worried about whether or not they're going to go to heaven because of their works. Jesus tells the truth about who he is, but the Pharisees would not accept it. Even when he did the impossible, the many miracles he did, they kept saying to him, who are you? And Jesus would reply, what I have been saying to you from the beginning, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. That, by the way, is found in John 8, 25 chapter 10, 37 and 38, and chapter 14, verse 11. But as you may recall from a recent reading in church, the Jews were always asking for a sign, and the Gentiles were looking for wisdom. But Paul says, no, we preach Christ and him crucified. In fact, remember, when Jesus was on the cross, the Pharisees said, come down from the cross and we will believe. But Jesus had done many miracles before that. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. You would think that would have convinced them, but they thought it was a trick of Beelzebub, the devil. And so they did not listen at all to what Jesus was saying or what he was doing. Socialist theorist Stuart Chase said something that's really to be put in your memory. He said, for those who believe the Bible, no proof is necessary. But for those who don't believe, no proof 
is possible. That, that really fits in well with 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, where it talks that the natural man is totally unable to understand the ways of God until he receives the Spirit of God. Paul makes the point that just as only a spirit of a person knows how a person thinks, so also the Holy Spirit of God knows how God the Father thinks. And if you have not gotten the faith from the Holy Spirit, no amount of argumentation will ever convince you to believe in the Christian faith. In fact, Robin Schumacher has written a book. His latest book is A Confident Faith, Winning People to Christ with the Apologetics of the Apostle Paul. Now, I haven't read the book yet, but the title really helps me to understand. It's kind of like talking about the apologetics of Jesus. Jesus did not use reason. He did not use any evidentiary faith or proof. What he used was the Bible. The best example is on that road to Emmaus. After his resurrection, he met two of the disciples, and he explained to them the necessity of the death of the Messiah and the reason why he was risen from the dead. Now, they did not recognize Jesus until they had something to eat with him later. But they ran back to the disciples, the apostles, told them what they had seen, and they would not be believed. Very, very interesting that all Jesus did to awaken in their hearts true faith was to go through the Old Testament from Genesis up through the end of Malachi, talking about all the prophecies that helped us to understand. I, I really like that quote, that if you are a believer in the Bible, no proof is necessary for you to believe what the Bible says. But if you don't believe the Bible, no proof is possible. In fact, what happens, unbelief progresses to the point where the Bible refers to it as scoffing, S-C-O-F-F-I-N-G. That's found in Luke 16, verse 14 where they are scoffing at Jesus on the cross. That is an interesting Greek word that means to turn up the nose as a way of disagreeing and with a fair amount of ridicule and sneering thrown in. And that's how we meet a lot of people who say, I believe in God. But when you start questioning them about the Bible and the true God of the Holy Trinity, they don't agree with you. So there is a big distinction between those who say, I believe in God, 
and those who believe God. Now, I, I talk to you about a lot of programs I like watching, especially on YouTube, because all the movies are free and they're really interesting to watch. I want to tell you about a new program that I ran across and I have been fascinated by it. It's a program that's entitled Sue Thomas FBI. Now, the FBI is spelled F, then a B, and instead of the letter I, it's the word E. Y E I. I have looked at most of the first years of program, uh, 23 of them. And I don't want to tell you too much about it because I would really like you to start listening to it. Sue Thomas, FBI. Just go to YouTube, go to the search thing, type in Sue Thomas, FBI. E-Y-E, and you'll run across many programs. I'll just tell you a little bit. The story begins with her being three years old, and she suddenly becomes deaf. She is unable to hear. Her mother sends her to a teacher who not only teaches her how to do signs that the deaf know, but also how to read lips. And then there's also involved in there with that teacher, she trains dogs to help the deaf. Now, I never knew there were such dogs. You, you know, there's sightseeing dogs for someone who is blind, helps them to cross the street and helps them when they are blind. But these dogs help a deaf person. How? Well, she's in the house in her apartment with her dog, and the doorbell rings. The dog is trained to go over to her and push her, telling her there's someone at the door. And when the phone rings, he also does that. It is amazing Two people with the last name of Johnson thought of this because what happens, she is so good at reading lips that she becomes a member of the FBI and works with a, a number of individuals who are solving crimes. For example, at one place, she's in a restaurant and she's supposed to read the lips of two criminals who are talking at the bar, but their back is toward her. But the mirror in front of them shows their face and their lips. And while they're talking, she can understand what they're saying, which is really amazing because in the mirror, everything looks backward. It's just one good story after another. Now, why do I like it so much? I, I've said to you a number of times, there are very few stories of police, etc., where the women 
are not committing sins against God in the area of fornication or adultery. I, I found one program where I thought things were fine, but one of the heroes in the program ended up going to bed with his patrol lady. That was sad. There is an FBI, another program, where the main two characters is a woman whose husband was FBI and lost his life in the line of duty. She is wonderful and works with another individual, and the two of them never fool around, but they really do a good job in solving crimes. That's one of the few programs. But now, watching Sue Thomas, FBI, you really need to look at this because there's no swearing in the program. I haven't seen anybody doing sexual sins. She is a perfect example of a Christian in the life of sanctification. She's very open in helping others, and she is very good at interviewing people who are accused of crimes to try and help them tell the truth. And of course, she goes out with the crew sometimes to arrest and bring in criminals. Uh, one time, her dog was even shot, and they rushed the dog with a bullet in him to the hospital. The doctor said, we don't do dogs, take him to a veterinarian. And the people said, no, this is a police dog, you take care of him. And the dog was kind of unconscious for about two or three days, but then he came back after healing and he's as good as gold. It's just a wonderful program because God is mentioned a lot. Many a time, for example, in one of the recent programs I saw, there was a criminal who was trying to put to death one of her friends that she was with, and he drove by in a car and began shooting with a machine gun. Well, everybody ducked and nobody was hurt, but afterwards she was asked, what did you think when the shooting was going on? She said, I wasn't thinking, I was praying. God has mentioned a number of times. She thanks God often. And in her conversation with others, she gets others to thank God for the life that they're living. It's a great example of sanctification that as a believer, she doesn't believe in God, she believes God. A number of times, she'll talk about his promises that he is keeping. So why do we have problems with people who say they believe in God, but don't believe God from the Bible? Well, Jesus put it this way, in John 8, why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear 
my word. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, another good example from the Bible of those who believe in God but don't believe God is found in James 2.19. James says, so you believe in God? So what? The demons also believe and shudder. Yes, they believe God exists, but they don't believe that there are any promises to save them. There is no way that they will skip out on hell. So you may have a friend, a friend who scoffs at the Bible. And his problem is that he may believe in God, but he doesn't believe God. And so we get back to what this radio station does again and again and again, helps you to communicate with these people by telling them what God did in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit can then move into their hearts and give them faith so that they believe the word of God rather than their own word. You know, in this country right now, many people reject the word of God for their own thinking on morality. And that's how we can help them, by speaking the proper law, as John the Baptizer did, and the proper gospel, as Jesus did, and let the Holy Spirit provide them with faith. So now, they don't just believe in God, they believe God. Tremendous distinction. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.